What's up, gamers, and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And in this episode, we're going to need to grab a nail gun, a lighter, and maintain a lot of puzzle-oriented thinking if we're to survive in my review of Tormented Souls. something lurking around in the dark. Please, miss. You have to help me get out of here. Something strange is happening. Everything will be all right, I promise. I won't let anything bad happen to you. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Am I going insane? Before we get into the details of this game's story, let's take a minute to check out some interesting facts that you may not have known about the game or its developer in The Breakdown. Gamers, Tormented Souls is a game created by developer Dual Effect. And you probably never heard of them. And the reason why is because Tormented Souls is their very first game. And when looking into this studio, I thought it was actually really cool to kind of find out some backstory on them and see what they went through to get to the launch of their game on the PS5 and the Series X consoles. Now, Developer Dual Effect was actually a winner in this contest put out by Exola. It's this XDC contest for LATAM developers, Latin American developers in game design. And what this ended up allowing Dual Effect to do is obtain funding up to 20% of the overall cost of the game, as well as a partnership in marketing and advisors on how to best ship the game to publishers and platforms. Now, I think that's a pretty awesome success story, and I think it is really, really cool to see something like that that is continuing to happen all throughout the game industry where developers can win in contests like this and then go on to put out a game on these major platforms. Now, the question is, do I think Tormented Souls is good enough to have won this kind of award or any more going forward? Let's start with the game's story and find out. Our story begins in December of 1994, when we're introduced to the game's protagonist, Caroline Walker. 
She sits innocently at home when she receives a knock on the front door and a sealed envelope left with no messenger in sight is placed at her doorstep. Now, upon entering and opening this envelope, she finds inside a short letter and a Polaroid picture of two twin girls. And these girls are immediately recognizable to Caroline as twins that went missing years ago in the early 1980s from the town of Winter Lake, located on an island just offshore from the mainland. Now, the letter tells Caroline these girls have been sighted near Wildberger Hospital, this sort of iconic landmark of the island and of the town of Winter Lake. It's supposedly been abandoned for years, but Caroline's curiosity gets the best of her, and she's immediately off to investigate Wildberger Hospital in search of these twins. Now, Caroline realizes that it's not just her curiosity drawing her to the island. It's also something else, something deeper, this feeling that she can't describe pushing her to no other option but to go to Wildberger. And it's upon her arrival, it really doesn't take long for Caroline to get knocked out on the head from behind by an unknown assailant, rendering her unconscious. And when she later awakes, she finds herself in a bathtub, hooked up to a breathing machine with a tube down her throat and missing her right eye. Now, after she pulls herself together and overcomes the shock and the horror of losing her eye, her mission becomes more than just finding those twin girls. It's now also about who did this to her and why. Entrapped inside the mammoth estate that is the Wildberger Hospital and Manor, she now must find her way through the darkness to survive and rescue the girls. Now, gamers, from this point on, the story really progresses mostly through journal entries and documents that you find while exploring the manor. There's really not any cutscenes to speak of or cinematics or any of that. I absolutely loved the story in this game. I would just say it right out front here in the very beginning of this segment. And I loved how it spanned multiple characters over multiple decades. The hospital's past and the reason why it became this hybrid mansion hospital, it was all very interesting to me. As well as the depth of emotion and character insight that we get of the characters in this game through their writings in those journal entries. And those characters, they were the mother and father of the twins that we spoke of, each with their own entries. The grandfather of the twins, he had his own diary as well. I love the verbiage used in each of these documents. I felt they perfectly fit what I feel would have really been that character's perspective in the moment of the writing of that entry. And each character was also really full-on just shades of gray, emotionally, motivationally. I really didn't feel there was any black and white right or wrong decisions here. And each one of these family members, they had their own convictions for what they were doing leading up to the disappearance of those young twins. And it really allowed me to empathize with each individual's outlook on the things that were going on during the few years leading up to those twins disappearing. Now, I also love that each character had drawings or pictures that most of the time would accompany their written entries. It was really just kind of a subtle detail that I thought helped add to the depth of that character and the meaning behind that written entry that I was currently reading. Now, I also loved that there was this secret dark history within the family. And what good horror movie or game or story does not have a family with a dark past? There's aspects of occultism and other things that are at play here that I just thought the story, it made it even more engaging and thematic 
just the further you got into it, it was just, man, one thing after another just kept surprising me and drawing me further and further into the story. Even towards the end of the game, there was journal entries that would belong to some of the more radical residents of the island, I would say. And you couldn't help but feel empathetic, uh, given how, in the end, they had seen the error of their ways, but it was too late. Now, outside of these documents and journal entries, the other more minimal method of story progression It was in the form of brief dialogue exchanges between Caroline and a few characters that you'll meet around the manor. There are quite a few revelations that come from these exchanges, and a few major ones, in fact, but the majority of that story that's here is found in those journal entries, so make sure to scour the environments if you want the full story. By the time the credits were rolling, though, I felt Tormented Souls had done a really great job of telling a complete story. And that's the key here is a complete story. It started with a lot of questions and mystery. And throughout the course of play and by the end, I did feel that it had done a great job of answering all the questions that I had and closing that book with a solid ending. Now, a lot of times there are questions left unanswered or not answered clearly. And I felt that was the exact opposite here. So speaking of endings, there are three different endings to experience, depending on some choices that you can make at the end of the game. Obviously, there's a clear good ending, and one neutral, and one bad ending. Now, I did experience all three, and I felt that each were unique and interesting enough to experience yourself. So I would recommend, especially since it really only takes a couple of minutes each ending, If you have that final save right there at the very end of the game before the final boss, it only takes a few minutes to go to the end and see each ending. So I would recommend seeing each one and how it plays out. It was just really cool, uh, in my opinion. So overall, I was very shocked to find out how much I loved this story and this world that was created for Tormented Souls. Now let's go see what the game's graphics and sound are like. Gamers, the graphics really surprised me in this game with just how excellent and detailed they were. So I'm going to start with the character models. And both Caroline and the other NPCs in the game were modeled very well with, honestly, ironically, my only issue with them being their faces. Now, the reason why the details that went into not just the design and look of, say, Caroline's dress and the physics behind the movement of it as she walks and the skirts kind of flipping around as she's making her movement, it's all excellent, as is the details on the dress with the bow on the back and a few other specifics that are there. But when you get to her face, at certain angles, to me, it could not help but look like it has that cut out of a magazine effect, that paper doll effect that I've referenced before in previous reviews, where there's almost this white outline around her face and her face itself just kind of seems to have none of the attention to detail paid to it as was paid to the details of her outfit. Now, the same can be said for other NPCs that you're going to come across in the game where their wardrobe and detail therein vastly outmatched their faces in design detail. But it wasn't really that detrimental to me, but it was an observation I wanted to point out. Now, when it comes to the enemies, first off, let me just say that I absolutely loved the uniqueness of their design. Each type of enemy, of which there's really only a handful, but I believe that that's really all you need in a game of this style and length, because each one of them is very uniquely designed and themed around the location of the hospital you're in. 
Now, they each have a different piece of hospital equipment that has melded with their skin and body, as well as some of their flesh being covered in boils, or some enemies have flesh missing in certain places, as well as other enemies who are the result of sick experiments done on patients at the hospital. Really cool twisted stuff and designs that I appreciated, as opposed to the developer just kind of handing in your typical zombie or stereotypical monster as enemy types. Now, from an environmental standpoint, visually, the mansion and hospital and its many locations that you're going to explore are downright beautiful. The stylized rooms and the architecture really made me think and kind of harken back to this 1930s to 1950s time frame and that style of design on hand. The rooms and hallways, they're filled with tons of detail and every inch from posters on the wall to all kinds of furnishings and decor as well as this honestly beautiful, almost golden color scheme that really kind of seemed to glow throughout the entirety of the mansion as you're exploring it. Now, this went hand-in-hand -hand with the lighting overall in the game, which I felt was also excellent, with light playing a huge role in this game. Now, there's going to be lots of dark rooms and hallways that you explore where the only light you have is from this tiny little flame on a lighter that you're carrying, which perfectly in my opinion illuminated the way that light bounced off of different surfaces throughout the rooms and hallways you're exploring so overall outside of some minor detail issues in the faces of the main characters i absolutely loved taking in the visual treat that was the winderberger hospital in its residence now for sound i'm just going to come right out and say it the voice acting was absolutely atrocious it was horrible especially the protagonist caroline now i hate it when games do this it's happened before in other games i played where the main character is the worst voice in all the game and it was the same case here don't get me wrong the game only has a few spoken lines of dialogue a few characters that is i should specify and caroline's the worst out of all of them and it's it's not even like it's ah man that's kind of a rough delivery on the line it's just about every line is pretty excruciating so horrible voice acting i'll just put that out there right away and get that out of the way to be honest because the music is what i'll go to next it is absolutely excellent the save rooms are pure resident evil save slash safe room music if you are a survival horror fan you've been playing resident evil since back in the 90s you know exactly what I'm talking about, and I loved it. I love that homage to Resident Evil. The background music is just consistently perfect in every room, hallway, or crypt, and it wasn't a joy to explore every single inch of the grounds in this game because every type of music that you'd want in this kind of a story is present here. You got the terrifying, pounding tension builders during enemy encounters to horrifying, nightmare-inducing violin strings in the moments of darkness and uncertainty. And believe it or not, some really delicate emotional pieces that hit at the right time. Now, your basic sound effects are the doors opening and closing, weapons firing and reloading, enemy approaching sounds, guttural moans, they're all done really well here. So from an overall sound standpoint, everything was excellent, top-notch, except for that massive swing and a miss that was the voice acting. Now, since we're talking about sound still, we got to talk about the 3D pulse effect. And if there was a 3D pulse effect, when wearing that headset.
When playing Tormented Souls, I did use both the soundbar that is hooked up to my TV as well as the 3D Pulse headset, obviously to make that comparison and see if there was in fact a difference between the two. Now the soundbar definitely was a solid experience when cranked up, and I would say that the bass really hit well with that subwoofer. But when you compare it to the 3D Pulse, when it comes to immersion, there's just no contest, gamers. The creaks of hospital equipment being dragged across the floor by unseen enemies, the fluctuating intensity of the music, depending on the scenario, and just your overall ambiance drawing you into the environment with things like fire crackling in the torches or fireplaces, doors slamming in the distance. They just really all came through very well on the 3D Pulse. So, was there a massive effect from wearing the headset or none at all? I'd have to say the 3D Pulse has a massive effect on the Tormented Souls experience. Now, let's go check out those controls. Controls in Tormented Souls are very unique in the sense that, first off, we'll talk about the fact that it is a single analog control scheme, meaning the left analog stick is the only one you have to move for character movement of Caroline. And honestly, she controls very smoothly and effortlessly with this control scheme. The only time I really had any issues with her character movement was, say, when there's a quick camera angle directional change. And since the directional perspective changes, so then does Caroline's movement direction. So if you're going left and the camera quickly changes right, if you don't change the direction you're pushing on on the analog stick to the right at the right moment, Caroline's going to turn right back around and go back the way she just came. And you can kind of get stuck in a loop there that's infinite until you, you end up pushing the analog stick in the right direction. So that could be a little, little detrimental. It's, it's definitely annoying, but thankfully it really only happened to me a handful of times. So it wasn't nothing too major. Now the crazy but also cool thing to me was the fact that the developers actually put in tank controls as a control option to use via the D-pad buttons. And I did mess around with it a bit just for old time's sake. And let's just say that tank controls, in my opinion, can stay in the 90s and early 2000s. But I still thought it was really cool and an homage to the past that the developers put it in there. So if you are absolutely diehard about your survival horror and the old schoolness of it and playing via tank controls, have at it because it is right there for you. Now, the right analog stick is going to be used in this game to bring up the area maps, and then both analog sticks are used to rotate that map's angle. There's no zoom option on the map, which wasn't a really a huge deal, but I would have still preferred that option. But overall, though, I did feel the controls for the map functioned well. Unfortunately, on the dual sense, the touchpad was not used in this game. As for the face buttons, the triangle will bring up your inventory screen, which you can then use L1 and R1 to scroll back and forth between tabs of collected items, ammo, and weapons and documents. And I did feel the inventory navigation end screen was great. It felt very smooth. Combining items and examining them was very accessible and had just this really great ease of use feeling to it. Uh, circle, the button will reload your currently equipped weapon, and X is to interact with any interactable object or person in the environment, as well as that default confirmation button. And Square, honestly, it's only used when tank controls are active to have Caroline run instead of walk, as if you don't know tank controls or never played using tank controls in a game, the base movement speed is to walk. And with analog control, Caroline automatically by default kind of jogs at this slow pace. But 
she can change that sensitivity based on how you put the pressure on the analog stick as you're moving her. So pretty much like every other game on the planet where you fire a weapon, L2 is to ready and aim your gun and R2 is to fire. So overall, I felt the controls were actually really good outside of those few camera induced issues. But what about that dual sense difference? I did say I was playing using a dual sense. So was there a dual sense difference in Tormented Souls? Gamers, if you are a listener of this show and have heard previous episodes or reviews of mine, you will know I am a huge fan of the DualSense controller on the PS5. So it is very unfortunate for me to say that Tormented Souls is one of the first games I've played on PS5 that really hasn't had any major functionalities of the DualSense utilized. I don't know why, but there are things I love about the DualSense, like haptic feedback and the adaptive triggers, that as I'm playing the game, I could clearly see that they could have been implemented, but were not. So that's not to say the game doesn't feel great, just with the basic DualSense. It just doesn't maximize its features. So, very easily here, is there a DualSense difference? <sighs> Gamers, for the first time since I've added this segment to my reviews, they're actually is not one. Now let's get into the meat of the game and talk about its gameplay. Gamers, if you haven't picked up on it already, Tormented Souls plays like a classic style survival horror game from the 90s and early 2000s, but it has been modernized in a lot of great ways. So obviously you're gonna start out, you're gonna play from a third person perspective where you explore the grounds of Wildberger Hospital from fixed camera angles, but with a tracking camera for your character in some areas. So managing your health, ammo, and save ribbon smartly and tapping X to interact with literally everything in the environment in the hopes there's useful items to pick up or read, that is what you're gonna be expecting to do in this game. Now, these items will range anywhere from healing medicine to ammo for your weapons to journals explaining the backstory of the game, as well as possibly the most important items, those that are related to or part of the solutions to the game's many puzzles. Now, most of the puzzles that I found, they were pretty straightforward, not too easy to the point of no challenge, but enough to be fun figuring out that solution in the first half of the game. So... <laughs> Let me just say, once you start making your way through that back half of the game, the puzzle difficulty really ramps up a bit, which I get it. It's to be expected. You're progressing in the game. Everything is kind of elevating that level of difficulty. But still, I was surprised at how many times I was genuinely stumped at certain puzzles, and even a few times, a few in a row. And what I mean is you'd finally figure out how to get this one locked door unlocked and then you go into the next room and there will be potentially another puzzle and it's like okay well now what do i do i don't know <laughs> like most puzzles though once i did see the solution it was a moment of oh okay now i get it but there were a few that i honestly feel the developers left a little too open for interpretation now look as a developer i don't want you to hold my hand but at least clarify a bit more on certain puzzles. And these puzzles, they probably share the biggest portion of the gameplay pie right next to exploration. So if you have that bulk of your gameplay coming from puzzles, I just feel like there is a little bit more 
gamer friendliness that they could have had towards the end of the game. But overall, the environment that you're going to explore as part of that exploration piece of the pie is extremely linear as you are confined to the rooms and the hallways of the mansion hospital and its grounds. Now, I will say that linearity is perfect for this style of game as it confines the player during enemy encounters, which obviously that can help ramp up the tension, as well as in my opinion, it can help narrow down the path that needs to be taken or where certain items that you picked up may be useful to progress to that next area. There's going to be plenty of locked and blocked doors, whether that be by a classic keyhole needing to be unlocked from the other side or by a specific key or needing a wrench to turn where there was once a knob or even a stack of crates that are blocking your way. It's typically not hard to figure out where you need to go and where you've already been. And the game does help you with this with a pretty decent map that it gives you to collect every time that you enter a new area. And the map highlights the areas that you fully explored or not in green and red respectively. And it does make note of items or areas of interest with icons that pop up on the map once you've located those areas. And that'll make it easier for you to get back to, say, a computer in one room that needs a floppy disk that you don't come into possession to until a much later point in the game. So there's also some areas that are covered in complete darkness. And you're going to need to equip a lighter that's essentially going to be used as your torch so that you can traverse these areas because... If you don't, and you stay in the darkness for just a little bit too long, let's just say that things do not go well for you. And this was very, in my opinion, an homage, very much so, an homage to Alone in the Dark back in the day. Now, speaking of homages, I have talked about Resident Evil, Alone in the Dark. Now we talk about Silent Hill. If you gamers have played the Silent Hill franchise, you will know that they are very well-known games for their alternate time or realities or versions of the town. Now, the final piece of exploration was some pretty cool moments of the game where there's mirrors that you can step through them into an alternate dimension or version of the hospital. And obviously, it reminds me of those moments in Silent Hill, even down to the metal-graded floors gamers. Now, these areas, like Silent Hill, they're usually mostly in darkness, and they require you to alter something in that dimension, which will affect the same area in our dimension, like, say, unblocking a door, which is the most basic function of this form of gameplay, but you get the idea, I would think, from that. Now, there's also another method of alternate exploration, and that's in the form of VHS tapes that are going to take you back to the past inside the Mansion Hospital at key dates and times, and it's during these times that you will be allowed to access otherwise inaccessible areas in current present day, or like the hell version of the hospital grounds, these VHS tape areas will allow you to affect things in the future. So I really enjoyed these added bonuses to the overall gameplay options, just the alternate realities and times, and just thought it was a really nice little icing to the cake of the gameplay. Now, when we talk about combat in this game, that's the final piece of gameplay, which is both ranged and melee. Now, ranged combat is done in the form of a nail gun. As I mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, we need our nail gun, right? So a nail gun, it works just as you would expect it to as any gun or firearm in uh, any of these types of games. It's going to automatically lock onto the nearest enemy. So just like those old school survival horror games, it's pretty much impossible to miss a shot. And also like those old school survival horror games, 
Your character is stationary once you ready the gun, meaning there's no character movement to avoid enemies while in the action of shooting. The only option that you will have is if you press square, if you're playing on PlayStation, in conjunction with the analog stick in any direction, and it performs a dodge move. So, just a little hint, plan your positioning accordingly. Now, while I did think that the enemies could feel a little bullet spongy or nail spongy in this case, I did feel the game supplies you with an adequate amount of nails throughout that ammo is really never a lingering issue for me. Now, the melee combat comes in the form of a crowbar and, uniquely enough, an electric lance. Now, the crowbar you acquire very early on in the game, and it's, it's adequate enough in a pinch, uh, or for what I used it for most often, was initiating the death blow on an already downed enemy, which is a way for me to conserve my ammo for my nail gun. But the same as when using a gun, you do become prone once you are in the ready position, and you can only swing the crowbar, which is pretty slow, by the way. Uh, no character movement, just to reiterate. So just make sure you're not opening yourself up to receive damage from an enemy attack in the attempt at swinging the crowbar. But I got to tell you guys, I actually loved the electric lance and thought it was great on more difficult enemies towards the end of the game because you could use the lance, knock them down to the ground, and then wail on them with your crowbar, and then rinse and repeat. And yet another ammo-saving method for me. So yet another hit for you. That electric lance, however, it does consume a form of ammo, so be purposeful with its uses because its ammo is honestly the least plentiful in the game. Now, unlike the survival horror games that it's modeled after, Tormented Souls does not have multiple boss fights throughout its progression, which uh, personally I think was the right call. I feel that they could have felt forced at this point looking back on the game as a whole, and the pacing of the enemy encounters, it was just so excellent that I feel like periodic boss fights would have really just kind of disrupted that flow. The flow of the gameplay, the flow of the story, it just it doesn't seem like it made sense. Now, it does have one boss, the final boss, and I will say that it was a very cool, mostly simple fight. But the little things that you have to do in order to defeat the boss, I really enjoyed it. It really felt old school, and I did think that it was a great cap off to the game as a whole. So overall, gameplay-wise, no major issues, and honestly, if you love 90s-style survival horror, you will absolutely love the gameplay waiting for you here. Now let's go check out the ship's chronometer to find out how long it took me to beat the game, as well as how long it may take you to beat the game based on your playstyle. Gamers, there are many different ways to play Tormented Souls, but if you are showing up just for the story, just to see how it begins and ends, and you're wondering how long it would take you from the opening credits to the ending credits, I would say you're probably looking at, even on your first playthrough, roughly 10 hours, as there are some slower moments of trying to figure out the puzzles and some minor enemy encounters that may slow you down for a few but if you're looking for story plus some moderate exploration, you know, you're not just only going from puzzle to puzzle or room to room. You're, you are trying to explore, but you're not overly concerned about every single item or every single journal entry. Add a few hours there, probably coming in at about 13 hours is when you'll see those credits roll. But if you are a completionist or going after that elusive platinum trophy on the PS5, I'm going to say it's probably going to end up taking you closer to 20 hours with multiple playthroughs. I would say at least a second playthrough, 
because there are some trophies in there that involve completing the game without saving, completing the game without using a health item, complete the game in under three hours. I just, realistically, I cannot see somebody who's picking up the controller and playing the game for the first time being able to do all of those on their first playthrough. Now, how long did it take me to complete Tormented Souls? Now, I did play through and I got everything there was in the entire game. My first playthrough was 15 hours long. Now, I did not take the time to go back and go for the Platinum Trophy and do some of those crazy trophies of completing without saving or using a health item or under three hours. But for me, to get from the opening credits to the ending credits, see all three endings, 15 hours would be what you're looking at. So, that was the length of the game. Now, let's check out my final thoughts and my score for Tormented Souls. Overall, I felt Tormented Souls was a great surprise for me. I never expected to enjoy it as much as I did. Between the depth of the story and its attention to details and the intrigue that it lays on you throughout the course of play, to the great visuals of the hospital mansion as you explore, and some pretty great puzzles, even if some of them were a little too overboard, this game really resonated with me on that special level. Sure, the voice acting sucked, and those frustrating control and camera snafus were there, and of course, the aforementioned puzzles, but none of those things were major enough to completely derail my experience, which is why I have to recommend anyone who enjoys survival horror games, the originators of the genre like Resident Evil, Silent Hill, and Alone in the Dark, you have to check out Tormented Souls, especially since it's only 20 bucks. So with that, my final score for Tormented Souls is an 8.75 out of 10. That'll do it for my review of Tormented Souls. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by searching for Hulking Yoda on the PlayStation and Xbox networks. Reach out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com as well as find me on social media on Instagram at Lost at Sea Gaming and on Twitter at Lost at Sea, G-A-M-I-N, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.